0: 702 ABC Sydney. On air. On air. Online. Online. abc.net.au Sydney.
1: I wish I had a little gavel, but you don't have a gavel at a book club. A book club's a very informal thing. So what you have to imagine is that you gathered around a table with lots and lots of friends, and there's a few little, maybe a few snacks out, and everybody's got a glass of. Soft drink or juice or wine or tea or whatever it might be. And it's time to talk about the book that you've been reading in the past month. The book is, of course, The Secret Scripture by Sebastian Barry. It was selected by our literary critic, Geordie Williamson. Good morning, Geordie. Good morning, Deborah. Thank you very much, Geordie. This is going to be terrific. Now, the number here is 1300 22702. That's 1300 22702 if you'd like to join in. If you can condense your thoughts to just a couple of Words by all means text on one nine nine two two seven zero two text or call right now. Now Geordie, we have to talk about how we're going to deal with the ending. I don't know how we can talk about this book without giving away the ending. So if people are worried,
0: yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, what I mean, there is there is a big twist in the tale for those of you who haven't finished. Get there. Um, we may we may have to deal with it all I can say is we should say spoiler alert first and yes. you can cover your ears that's right preferably I think that's the not way, if you're driving
1: that is the way to do it now Lois you've um, joined in first you've read the book yes um, the very
2: day that you <coughs> announced the uh, book club my lifelong friend was visiting from Ireland and gave me the book to read because she went down to Beechworth to visit her brother um, so I'm a full-time carer and a little bit isolated, uh, so I just sat down and read it. Didn't do much dusting or anything else that didn't need to be done. <laughs> <laughs> my son's a chef. He worked in um, Padstow for Rick Stein, where Dr. Green came from.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And you interviewed um,
1: Sebastian. Sebastian Barry, yes. And
2: that's where my girlfriend lived when I visited her in the 80s. In, in, in the uh,
1: Whitlow Hills. Absolutely, oh. all the
2: beauty and everything. And why well, um, was this book crossed no, over in your life in a thousand ways? And, and not only that, my grandfather was a um, Presbyterian Irishman. <laughs> <Such phenomenal. laughs> Just loved the whole lot from beginning to end. Beautiful. Well, so there you go, and I got it. I got it for free. <laughs> well,
0: well, at least that, that disproves my thesis that I thought that uh, Sebastian Barry was making the fact of Presbyterian uh, Irishman up. Now, we now know that I it's absolutely, absolutely a- true.
2: Absolutely not. My Presbyterian Irish grandmother wouldn't even light the fire on Sundays. You had to be praying all day, probably <laughs> against the
1: Catholics. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, in, you know, as far as the writing of the book goes, Lois, um, when you read it, knowing all of those little crossed paths were I happening w- in your own life how did it affect you? Uh,
2: well I just thought it was wonderful but that somebody was actually sort of discussing these problems that had that I knew existed between the Presbyterians and the rest of the world and uh, all the little ins and outs of you know Irish life and um, the naughty priest and also you know how girls who had babies um, out of wedlock were treated very badly and
1: she was more or less treated that way because they didn't approve of a marriage. Thank you very much for chiming in Lois, it's great to have your thoughts Let's um, I'll read you something that's come in Geordie on the website now if you want to uh, post any of your comments online please do abc.net.au slash sydney slash radio and click on mornings or give us a call on one three hundred triple two seven o two. Tony said Um, in his uh, written comments that he hadn't read a serious novel for years but he decided to read this one and to join the book club so he got the last copy at the local bookshop he says Um, Roseanne's he says that um, last night I read a section that had immense influence on Roseanne's life and then I had difficulty sleeping the actions of the church ring a lot of bells for me as an ex-Catholic and gay man, I, I view the church, Catholic Church and its representatives as totally unchristian, acting with arrogance and pious righteousness. He says, um, why didn't, in the, in the, he says that the thing, he stayed up and finished, he wasn't planning to finish the book, he was going to go to sleep. But then he posted a second post and said, I stayed up and finished the last 80 pages. I couldn't put the book down. From the time Roseanne became pregnant to the birth and searching for her son, it was unput downable. Why didn't she seek out the local hospital instead of going back to the old McNulty's? Now, Geordie, that was a very tragic scene of this very pregnant, heavily pregnant, beautiful young Irish woman. Desperately searching for help And ending up back at the people who'd rejected her
0: Mm. Yes, I I wondered myself But I think that it was an expression of how circumscribed How radically circumscribed her world was That she was obliged in so many instances To turn to the people who probably didn't have their her best interests at heart I think particularly of the way That she always seemed to buckle under When the priest turned around, uh, came round And uh, Lois said he was a naughty priest I think that's been pretty charitable He was an active uh, you know, force for bad And uh, she only realised that very late on Decades later
1: Well it's interesting When we spoke to Sebastian Barry The author just a couple of days ago He said he kept waiting uh, As he was writing it For Father Gaunt to redeem himself and Father Gaunt never does.
0: <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's a sense that he was so trapped inside his role that there was no space left for real religiosity.
1: Okay, now let's go to June. Is it Julie? Julie I do apologise. Julie, yes. good morning. Oh, hi. Uh, look, I happened to get that book out of the library about a month ago. Oh, well done. Yes, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, my daughter-in-law's Irish and I've visited Ireland. But what struck me about it was... Um, how women at that time who were unattached were seen as sexually threatening. Yes. And they had to be married or living with their family. And uh, it was quite repressive for women. Uh, Did you ever see a movie called The Magdalene Sisters?
0: Oh, yes. That was pretty horrific, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And it was even up to the 50s, it was like that with girls.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that's what um, I sort of found with it. And it was, I guess, a little comparable with repressive Islamic countries.
0: Well, any theocracy is any theocracy um, which you know seeks to kind of regulate sexual behaviour um, we in the uh, in the late you know the early 21st century West see as quite strange because we're used to these freedoms but we we really I mean it's only been in recent years that, that, that we have experienced that freedom as, as individuals mm. it, uh, the, uh, as I said before the author Anne Enright said that the moment that the civil war really ended in, in you know the war against women ended in in Ireland was the day when you could get the pill uh, legally it meant that you finally had control as a woman over your own biology. Julie, thank you
1: very much for your comments. We've had a note come in on the website um, before reading Secret Scripture. I'd been lost in Susan Duncan's life in Pitwater through her two books, Salvation Creek and The House. The contrast between the Pitwater community who rallied around Susan in her darkest hours and the Sligo community who shunned and locked Roseanne away was just the sort of wild and emotional ride that I love to take. I was totally immersed in Roseanne's and Dr Green's world and didn't see... The twist in the tail until it hit me right between the eyes, I actually had to put the book down and walk around for a minute before I could read on <laughs> What an amazing gift Sebastian Barry has. He allows his readers to become lost in the world he creates. I just didn 't want this wonderful story to end, um, and it is interesting. a couple of the contrasting comments have said they Saw the end coming, they realized as they were reading that they knew uh, what was about to happen, but i didn 't see it coming i was I, I feel exactly like that i I just gasped
0: mm, I, I have to admit i didn 't see it coming either.
1: now the number here is one three hundred triple two seven oh two how the uh, I, I, am, I really wanted to get your views about the character of father Gaunt, um, the immense power of uh, of him and the a streak of evil in him He almost hated Roseanne With a visceral hate because of her beauty
0: Yes, yes And it, it, it in itself was intrinsically dangerous uh, It wasn't even her, her, the fact that she was a woman It was that she was a beautiful woman And that in itself was a kind of an incitement She was uncovered by virtue of being unmarried And that early scene where he comes to her and says You know, you, I've, I've got a husband for you is the moment where she has to decide whether to buckle under right away or or make some attempt at independence but she doesn't know how to achieve independence. She only knows how to say no, and that's the beginning of her troubles. But uh, I find it interesting that Barry says uh, that he could find nothing unredeemable; that nothing redeemable occurred to him as he went along. But it speaks to the, the way that characters take on a life outside of their author's intentions for them. And he, he seems he seems a powerful character to me.
1: Oh well, I think the other sad thing is um, uh, the. You know, I spoke to Sebastian Barry about this idea of these two narratives and where was the truth between them. You have the narrative that Roseanne locked underneath the, the floor in the room and the figure of um, Mr Keane, John Keane, constantly kicking the board as he walked over it because he knew it was there. Mm. He must have known it was there. Mm. And then Dr Green's truth and then the institution's truth. It was hard to know in the end whether anything Roseanne said was... How much of her story you could trust
0: Well indeed and it's, it's very telling That the points in the story Where she most um, obviously Had either got it wrong Or knew something that the others didn't Was about her father Whether her father was indeed A colonial policeman um, And in that in that case, it may have been something about her father she simply hadn't wanted to know. So even when you dredge up the past and you think you're getting it right, you uh, you can always leave things out. There's also the question that she spent decades in this institution. To some degree, that would make you mad even if you hadn't started off mad in the first place.
1: That's right, now my guest this morning is Geordie Williamson, our literary critic This is the first session of the 702 Book Club with Geordie We'll announce in a little while the name of the book for next month So make sure that you stick around and have your pen ready Give me a call if you want to join in right now on 1300 222 702 Or text me on 199 22702. A book club regular, Philomena, has um, texted in she was one of. She was the first person to blog on the topic of this book. Um, also worth a mention, says Philomena, the literary, the traditional literary image of Ireland as a woman, Roseanne could be modern Ireland, ancient, damaged, but on the whole reconciled to her past. Do you think there is a... You know, Sebastian Barry spoke of this fable at the end that he wanted to have an ending, a resolution for Roseanne that had some grace in it, some gift to her. But could um, Roseanne's story be Ireland's story?
0: I, well, uh, you know, I think that's a really beautiful way of, of comparing the two. It occurs to me that Joyce said something very similar but in a much harsher mode, and he said... Uh, uh, Ireland is an old sow that eats its young. And I think he wanted to make the point of the obligation of the artist to go into exile in order to be able to write about Ireland. And there's something so much gentler about Barry's treatment of this beautiful old woman um, that makes you think that something has softened and some grace has entered in. So I really like that image. I think that works. Well,
1: I wonder, um, here's another one from Angela. Hi, Deb. Touched, it touched me as my aunt was put into care at 16 and then conveniently forgotten uh, for about 60 years just for being too hard for her stepmother to handle, so sad and so cruel from Angela. Um, That's the essence of why Roseanne was there in the first place. She
0: was an inconvenient daughter-in-law. Absolutely. And she is not alone. I think that there will be uh, many people who've had some experience of some member of the family being sort of slipped under the carpet and into the institution system. On ABC Radio National over the past months, there were programs uh, dealing with an enormous facility in in Queensland, an institution which now no longer exists, and rebellious young women um, who were locked up for decades in spite of not particularly having any mental illness, but rather that they didn't fit the, 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 the social and sexual mores of their, of their day.
1: And what's interesting, of course, about um, the, the, the big thread through the story is, of course, that Dr Green is trying to figure out how to liberate these People, These um, people who've been kept in this institution that Roseanne is 100 years old. How do you give freedom to a 100 year old? It's impossible to do it physically. And so his quest became to give her freedom, um, the freedom to exist to be acknowledged, to have someone say, yes, you're there. And She never had any visitors. No one apart from John Keane, the cleaner, took much of
0: an interest in her. Mm. But, of course, uh, John Keane is, is, is very important. He's, he's actually, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he's revealed to have um, deep and abiding connections with the elderly lady. She has, she has had her protectors, and uh, Dr Green is the one who is able to give her back That most profound connection at all
1: Now you're listening to the 702 Book Club With Geordie Williamson, our literary critic Right now we're talking about this month's book The Secret Scripture by Sebastian Barry If you have any thoughts on the book Give me a call, don't be shy Because you can just ring up and have a quick chat. One three hundred triple two seven zero two, or send me a text. One nine nine two two seven zero two. Maybe there's something you <clears throat> you thought about the writing of it. I mean, the construction of the language and um, the economy with words. Sebastian Barry almost doesn't waste a word in this book.
0: No, absolutely, and yet it's just so rich. The language is so rich, but it never feels um, overfilled. It feels every word is exactly where it should be.
1: If you haven't finished the book. I wonder if you, how much you're dying to continue now. One three hundred triple two seven zero two. I wonder what stage you're at in the book. How do you mark the places in the book that have s- struck you? For me, it's with a whole lot of little post-it notes, and this this uh, book is absolutely bristling with them. Geordie, um, when you think about um, Uh, the kind of reconciliation of Roseanne's life at the end, a hundred years, more or less, all of it spent in this um, this institution. Desolate, but at the same time, she is happy.
0: Yes, and that is the great mystery of the book, isn't it? And that's what draws Green to her and, indeed, All of the characters, the few characters who sort of know her, is this kind of... She goes from... She's sad as a young woman, certainly. But that peace that she achieves, the inner glow, is what draws these um, men to her. What is it that keeps her somehow smiling? And in fact, without her, the book would not survive, I don't think, because the story is so sad.
1: Well, it's interesting because um, Barry said during that interview that um, he had thought initially of writing a play but he couldn't write it because she didn't want to speak she her voice she she couldn't say what she needed to say but she could write it and that's where he got this device of her diary her personal her memoir
0: Yeah, it'd be like a play by Samuel Beckett, wouldn't it? Woman in bed, sitting silent for half an hour, maybe blinking once, (laughs) but inside there's just so much going on and so much waiting to come out.
1: Now, Ray, what was your response to the book?
3: Well, Deb, I thought it was a wonderful book, Um, but I just had a couple of uh, irritations. The first one was the way in which he held the story back I just felt it was a little bit artificial. It sort of reminded me a little bit of uh much lower class of literature you know but
0: that's late, a problem, for the next isn't it? chapter
3: you know to see what. I is going to happen next, you know. Well, it, it's whenever
0: sort of, you know, highbrow literature in inverted commas attempts to insert this kind of, you know, plot, then it has to make various compromises between the the just the onrushing beauty of the prose, the ideas on offer, and the desire to keep the reader sitting there and turning the page. Mm. And do you think that maybe he, he, he was too willing to sacrifice some elements so. of the I book plot? Yeah, I just a little bit. I mean, I, I,
3: I, I want to so I did think it was a wonderful book and I could hardly put it down but the other thing that uh, I was a little bit concerned about was the was the thing that Deb's already alluded to the the jaw dropping into it I thought to be perfectly honest that stretched credulity just a little bit you know
0: it 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 was so unlikely yeah. And it is yeah. a test, I think, of the reader isn 't it, whether yeah. or not you sort of think no that can't, that can 't be the case yeah. and I think that 's perfectly understandable that yeah. response
1: but you know, Ray, what was interesting about what Sebastian Barry said about that ending was he felt that it had to have a fabled ending but that, that I think he felt that as a writer, he was giving restoring hope and pleasure to the life of roseanne he didn't He said to me he didn 't really. Mean it for it almost as a literal end as a literal twist yeah. it was a
3: fabled twist sure but the other thing too my third criticism uh is i just I just felt that uh, his reluctance to to give the heroine of the story some sort of salvation at the end by not telling him right?
1: I'm yeah, well, not, not think, telling her who he was. That, I think that's a that's a really good point, um, mm. Geordie, Did you? What did you think about that? That he couldn't find the words to actually tell her.
0: Uh, yeah, I I I'm still a bit um, riven by 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 that one. I can only I can only imagine that we were talking about how what gift could be given to this woman who is hundred mm. years old, yep. and it's probably death, and it's probably a sense of just peace. Um, and I think that that was achieved, irrespective of whether the the actual details of of how that piece was achieved were nutted out between them. But
3: still, I mean, how much wonderful, more wonderful would her passing have been if she had have known? Mm.
0: I, I wonder whether she wouldn't have been desperate to hang on though. I I think mm. what we're the uh, all of your criticisms are all located in the idea that there's a bit of melodrama yeah. going on in here, and yeah. it's the degree to which the prose is good enough and the, eye, you know, the, the, whole, the whole story manages to uh, rise above that, that sort of rather simplistic kind of um, what's going to happen next. But I thought the two blended beautifully. Mm-hmm. Ray, uh,
1: thank you very much
0: for joining. I, like, I wouldn't
3: like to dissuade anybody from reading it, though. No, oh, no, no, lovely. no. <laughs> thank you
1: very much, Ray. Thanks very much for joining in. The number here is 1300 222 702. Have you got any niggling issues with the book? Give us a call, 1300 22702. Susie, you read it? Yes, I read it just after it came out because of some positive reviews in papers. And I had earlier read, just coincidentally, some of his um, early books. Which were just struck me by the the power of the language, and this one, the secret scripture as well. I think that's one of the things that was so beautiful about the book. I just couldn't stop reading it, not only because of the characterization and the story, the narrative, but the beautiful poetry of the language. It's just overwhelming, and so I'd recommend his earlier books um, to readers as well. They're equally just gripping and they're beautiful. Poetry and in imagery, as well as the narratives, but I thought secret scripture was just wonderful, and it' certainly um just one of the most powerful books I've read in a long while. Thank you very much Susie it's interesting to hear that this is the first of Sebastian Barry's books that I have read and that is a very high recommendation from Susie, do you agree with I her? I
0: absolutely agree and there's also a lovely moment I was suddenly thinking of where Anais, M- I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Anais McNulty, uh, just uh, who is uh, a character in in, uh, in Barry's first novel turns up just you know with, out, of, out of the blue and says you'll be my sister in law then and you know in that sense that this whole story is tying together so many different threads of Barry's own family which he's turned into this beautiful um they're not they're not trilogies they're not tied together they're not sequences but they all have they're shared they're linked by family and uh, in that sense he reminds me of people like Uh, William Faulkner, who were constantly returning to the ties of blood to find as the source of their their poetry.
1: He he says, of course, that he fell upon this idea for this book because of a connection to a lost aunt. Um, And I suspect that there are lots of these sorts of stories in Ireland and in any place where you had those. Uh, The other thing that struck me was that when Roseanne was asked, where did the baby go? And she said, gone to Nazareth. Nazareth House was everywhere. Nazareth House was here in Australia. You know, friends of my mother were put into Nazareth House. It, it, they, these institutions were, were everywhere. This really
0: had a very, you know, re, it was real. It's very real history. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as I said before, this sense of the troubled history of religious division. Uh, is one that we as a nation also inherited. And I think that it means that we can appreciate some small ripple of the difficulties and the problems of rubbing along together. One of the great things of of Australian multiculturalism is that it dissolved those old tribal arguments, I think.
1: Now thanks to everyone for being part of this first seven oh two book club meeting. It's been fantastic. If you haven't finished reading the secret scripture by Sebastian Barry, you'll still be able to comment on the on the book on the website you can post your online comments at abc.net.au slash sydney slash radio and click on mornings then click on comments we've managed to not even
0: actually give the ending away away.
1: how clever are we (laughs) um now geordie i want you to um, tell us what we should read for the next month
0: all right so after much discussion we've settled on nam Lee's the boat which is a debut collection of short stories by a Vietnamese-Australian author. They have been feted all over the world... He's won all kinds of incredible prizes And he is about the most exciting thing that's happened to Australian literature in a long time
1: And you might remember, you first met Nam Lee here on 702 Mornings During our literary festival last year He was on as a new author If you've already read The Boat, then pass the book along to a mate And get them to read it so that they can join in Um, It is, as Geordie says, a collection of short stories Every short story is so distinct
0: So different You couldn't have seven more different short stories
1: That even if you just buy into one of them, you'll have something to contribute to the next meeting of the 702 Book Club. Thanks a lot for joining me today on this one, and thank you to Geordie.
2: Thanks, Debra.